Today's episode is brought to you by O-Yoga, offering over 50 classes a week between their two studios in downtown Syracuse and DeWitt, New York. There are opportunities throughout every day to find your center and allow your mind to turn inward and examine the abilities of your body. O-Yoga offers all levels of classes from beginner workshops to hot and sweaty vinyasa flow classes. Come find the right class for you by signing up for the two-week new student unlimited membership for $25 and take as many classes as your heart desires. Also, O-Yoga's next yoga retreat to Blue Osa in Costa Rica will be February 16th to 23rd, 2019. Spots are filling up fast, so make sure to visit www.theoyogastudio.com today to secure your spot. Yoga retreats are life-changing events, and when you combine that with a magical country like Costa Rica, you truly cannot go wrong. Sign up today, www.theoyogastudio.com. Our world is a truly amazing place. It is full of wonder, beauty, and amazing people most of which we will never see. I am Tyler, and along with my wife Tiffany, we are OM Travelers. Our goal is to see the world, create amazing experiences in our life, and meet as many inspirational people out chasing their dreams as we can. This show is my opportunity to bring their stories to you so we can all share in the lives, inspiration, and awesomeness that we seldom hear about in those around us. Please join us here and at OM Travelers on Instagram and be a part of our journey. Namaste. like many of ours, was often relatively unhealthy throughout his younger years. He was a high-level baseball player throughout his teens and college years and attended college on a baseball scholarship. After one too many injuries, he left his bat and ball on the field and returned home to Pompey, New York, where he began working for his father's construction company. After years of eating poorly and drinking too frequently, Ed decided it was time for a change. He and his now wife gathered their belongings and headed down south. Ed started walking, then running, then riding. With each step out the door, his distances became longer and his desire to not only help himself, but also those around him become healthier increased. Today, Ed's job is to make people fit and live a healthy, happy life. His business, Ultimate Health and Performance, is transforming people's lives. Enjoy his story and to find out more, visit www.ultimate-health.net. As always, please make sure to visit us on iTunes and leave a review. Every review helps the podcast out. So on today's episode, I have a good friend of mine from CrossFit Syracuse, or at least that's where I have met him and become friends with him, Ed Tonike. And Ed is, uh, and it, I would qualify you as an endurance athlete. Yeah. And crossing over into the CrossFit world. Yeah. Um, and Ed does a lot with health, uh, health coaching. So uh, I, I, I kind of hate to say the word diet because that's not necessarily what it is. But we'll get into that um, and hear Ed's whole story. So, Ed, thank you for taking the time today. No, thank you. Um, the one thing I'd like to have all the guests do when we first start is can you just give the people who are listening a description of where we are and I, mean, I know it's your house but just give us a little imagery so people can picture where we're at sure so um we are in what started as sunny jamesville um 
So my wife and I moved back up to this area in uh, 2010 and bought this house right before um, our first son was born, probably about eight months before. Well, yeah, eight months before he was born. And uh, we're located literally halfway from her old job and my parents' house, um, which is obviously where I grew up. She grew up a, you know, a few miles down the road. We met in high school. So, um, you know, we're, we're right on the cusp of, of, you know, the city, but we're out in the country enough that, you know, we've got a little bit of space and we can kind of get away from everything when we need to. Did your, um, interest in the endurance cycling, running all that play into where you live now? Because we're out in the Hills kind of outside of Syracuse and there's a lot of space to go and roam with very little traffic. Um, I wouldn't say that it was a determining factor, but it was definitely something that, uh, you know, once we kind of knew where we wanted to go, um, it, it appeased me, um, being that we're on top of, it's a one mile climb in each direction to get back to our house. Um, most people probably wouldn't think of that as a good way to finish a ride or a run, but I don't know. I, you know, I always look at it as, you know, my kids are going to be the strongest kids because if they run in our backyard, they're running on 8% grade the whole time. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, and the last point two of any marathon, whether it's downhill, flat, or uphill, is always uphill. So yeah. it's always good to finish that. <clears throat> so what got you into, um, or I guess where did it start with you, the, the cycling, biking, running? Like what, what came first? Was it just as a kid? How did you kind of develop the sense of... of wanting to turn toes to those types of sports? Um, I started, uh, let's see, I started cycling when we moved, probably about three months into our move, we moved um, down to Fairfax, Virginia. Um, I was about 235 pounds back then. No way. Yeah. And what are you now? Uh, 175. Right oh now. my goodness! But wow. I'll, I'll race at like 165, 167. And you were living here at the in the Syracuse area before yep. you moved. Okay. Yep. We were living here. Um, I was by no means um healthy. I grew up as an athlete, so um, it was just a matter of you know I was the the crowd that I was hanging out with. Um, you know, like when you did when you met with Just Joe, I remember going to Manhattan's all the time and <laughs> watching him. And, and that's, you know, we, you know, we, we had a very big bar scene. Um, and you know, it was just, it was, you know, between that and then food. And, um, so I was about 235 pounds in part of the move was I needed to get out of here to be away from people. Um, so that I could start my life over again. Cause I knew I wanted to be a personal trainer cause I wasn't even a trainer then. Um, so we moved to Virginia and my thing was, is if I'm going to be a trainer and I'm going to help people, I have to be, um, I have to be in shape. I had whatever in shape was at that time. I was not in it. Um, so we moved down there and I kind of just started like walking, um, on this path at our apartment complex, turned it into a jog. We bought just some cheap mountain bikes so I could go a little bit further and found a mountain bike trails and growing up, I had a mountain bike. So I, I, you know, started, I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot what that felt like. Got into mountain biking and then started getting passed by these, you know, really big 
pot-bellied guys on road bikes that were you know screaming past me on a you know on a mountain bike on you know as i rode the connector trail to get there so then i was like i need a road bike and that became pretty much the next four or five years was just um i really got into road cycling um we had moved to philadelphia and i got on a team there um probably the greatest group of guys that i've ever um aside from crossfit syracuse but you know from a community standpoint like they just um we do everything together there was about 20 of us and it was it was awesome so that really immersed me in that culture um and then from that once we moved back here in 2010 um i didn't have any of that and i had done crossfit every winter um a lot of it on my own just looking at dot com and stuff like that when did you start doing the crossfit um 2009 oh so a long time yeah so i was you know back then it was you know i i wouldn't do a lot of the olympic stuff because um you know that's that's really hard to teach yourself how to do um so i think my version of a squat clean probably pretty hideous to what it you know what it is now um but i would do it as like my off-season workouts because i didn't have a you know back then i didn't have a ton of time between clients so if i had an hour i knew that i could get a warm-up a workout and be you know presentable for my next client working in a big box gym um you know and i had minimal minimal space minimal equipment um so I would do that pretty much every off season, um, you know, sprinkled in with my bike and run workouts. And then it really wasn't until we came, you know, till we moved back up here that, you know, eventually, you know, I met Dan and Ellen. Well, I grew up with Ellen, but I met Dan in anatomy and physiology class. And then uh, we started talking about, you know, he was going to open this gym and I was supposed to come in 2012 and our, you know, paths didn't you know, really crossed again until about a, year, about a year and a half ago. So, so where did you grow up? Fabius. Okay. And what you said, you played sports growing up. So what were your sports? I played, uh, soccer and, um, soccer and baseball predominantly. I was on the basketball team until, uh, maybe until like ninth grade. And then I just gave up on attempting to be a basketball player. Um, some some sports you're not meant to do. <laughs> that was one okay. for me. So um, and then I eventually I stopped playing soccer as a sophomore. Um, I got hurt for my ACL, and then it became an eleven month addiction to baseball, which I still have a teacher that her and I will talk about how she told me that you know what are you going to go to college for? And I said to play baseball. She's like, well, what's your major going to be? And I was like, to play baseball. <laughs> um, and that was that was my sole intention the first time around with college. Um, and then when I got hurt, uh, that quickly changed. And that kind of started that whole cascade of eventually ending up at 235 pounds. So uh, where did you go to college the first time? Uh, I went to SUNY Albany. Okay. That's, uh, that's where, you know, I was going there to play baseball. Um, and what, what was the injury? Uh, capsule tear in my left shoulder. Oh, okay. So yep. relatively common area for... For pitchers, yeah, yeah, and is that was that your position? Pitcher? Yeah, okay. yeah, it was a pitcher. I actually did it throwing a snowball at somebody. Oh, that's usually how yeah. it happens for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're at University of Albany. The baseball thing falls apart. Yep. And then just college happens. 
Yeah, I left. Um, I finished out that semester and then I left. Um, I knew that, you know, growing up in Fabius, uh, I think our entire school was 300 people. And I was sitting in lecture halls at Albany that were 300 people, 400 yeah, people. Sure. Um, you know, in growing up, you know, I was an All American as a, you know, a senior in high school for baseball. Mm. So everybody in high school, teacher, you know, teachers and students pretty much knew who I was. I, w- I, don't, I don't think back then that I was super cocky. Maybe I was a little bit, um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, you know, I, I kind of think I was friends with everybody. And, um, but it was just different, you know, when teachers knew you had a game, like they'd come over and talk to you. When I got to Albany, it was, you know, you were number whatever, mm-hmm. and it didn't matter who you were. Um, so that was a big adjustment for me. So after I got hurt and I was done, um, I came home and I just, you know, my father owns um, a home building. You know, he's a contractor. So I started working for him for the summer and then was working for him and uh, now my father-in-law because he does the same thing. And, you know, now I'm 18 years old and I'm making 500 bucks a week. And I really didn't like college to begin with. Um, because it really, the school wasn't a right, the right fit for me. I went there solely to play baseball and that's the only thing that I looked at. And, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but, um, you know, so now it's, it's totally different. I don't seem to leave school. (laughs) So did you, um, did you go back to finish your undergrad degree or is that still kind of like an ongoing thing? Um, I, I, I eventually went, uh, I went back and I went to Herkimer. Um, and got my associates in marketing um, because I, I knew I had to do something, um, you know, and I always, I always really wanted to get a degree in, in, you know, further my education in business, business and uh, marketing was really what I was going to go to school for. Always had an interest in it. Um, you know, so I, I was like, well, you know, we'll do it as baby steps. I'll start with Herkimer and I'll see how I do. And if I like it, then I'll keep going. Um, so I did Herkimer. And then once we moved back up here in 2010, I actually applied and went back to SUNY Cortland where I finished my bachelor's in exercise science. Um, and then uh, took about a year off and then went to, and I'm currently finishing um, at New York Chiropractic College for my master's in nutrition. Okay. So college baseball ends, come back. You're working for your father and living back here in Syracuse. Yep. Drinking, not, probably not eating well. And so that was a big change because with all the sports you played, you were pretty used to being active and in shape. And it, yep. as you get older, it pretty quickly isn't so easy to stay that way. So what was it in there? At what point did you say to yourself, I, I want to be a personal trainer for the first thing? And then secondly, like, given your current situation, like I can actually do this. When did those two things start to come about? So I would say that um, it was like the winter of 2006 or seven. So, I mean, like six, seven years had passed um, since I was playing baseball. And for the first couple years, I wouldn't go to a baseball game because I was more mad at myself that I like kind of like that I let myself down um, because I, I saw so much potential in not only in myself, but 
in, in the system that the coaches around me had created. And I felt like I let a lot of them down because what was that system? Describe that a little bit. Um, well, I worked with, uh, a couple of local coaches that I think combined had 29 years of professional baseball experience and professional being on the 40 man roster. So not like double A, triple A, but actually like in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. Um, and these guys spent a lot of their time helping me develop because being that I'm only five, eight, I'm not a very tall guy. Mm -hmm. And as a pitcher, ideally to get drafted, they want to see someone six foot or above. Um, and so we, we really worked on making my mechanics as seamless as possible, um, getting really quality movement, spotting pitches. Like they spent a lot of time helping me to become a very effective pitcher given, you know, the, the kind of the cards that I was dealt, if you want to say it that way. Um, so then once I wasn't playing anymore, it, to me, there was always like a big void and there was always something that was missing from you know the, the reason why i got into it and you know and, and it took a while for me to kind of get back to it um but to answer your question as to when that happened it was i was i was working at the uh syracuse or the fabius baseball academy this small little uh facility that a, a guy was running in i was working with you know nine to twelve year olds in um, I, I absolutely loved working on the throwing mechanics, like starting to like finally pass, like all, I had all the stored knowledge of baseball and I still do in, but I was finally able to like outlet it to kids and it felt so good in, in like seeing like, like, yes, you finally got it. And then to hear like the crack of a baseball hitting, you know, a catcher's mitt, there's, there's something magical about that that you hear it and it's just, it, like, you know, I still get like the goosebumps. Um, so putting myself back in that environment, I knew I needed to do something. I didn't know what, um, a friend of mine who has since passed was in there watching his nephew one day and he goes, man, you look like David Wells. Cause I was, I was left-handed. David Wells was a lefty and David Wells is an amazing baseball player. Was an amazing baseball player. And David Wells was like 6'2 and probably 280 pounds. So I, I kind of, you know, I'm like, I don't know, that, that's not really who I was going for. <laughs> so um, that kind of resonated. And, you know, I, I kind of came home and I, I don't think we were, you know, we were living down the road. My parents have an apartment, um, a house that they rent down the road from their house. And my wife and I were living there. And, and I kind of said something to Beth. I was like, I kind of want to be a personal trainer. Like, I really like helping these kids, but I got to take it a step further. Like, what do I got to do to take it to the next level? And I, I just Googled it. And, you know, I came up with, you know, National Academy of Sports Medicine. And I'm like, that sounds fancy. Didn't, you know, and then I did a little bit of research, found out it was one of the best ones to get. Um, and that's really kind of what set it all in motion. And I, I kind of said, well, if I'm going to do this, like I've got to, I've got to do it. And it's got to be a hundred percent commitment. Um, so I was working, I was working full time during the day, um, doing construction. And then every day I was like, I have to learn one chapter before I go to bed in the book. <clears throat> sorry. The book back then was like five, 600 pages. It was mm. massive. And 
I did every day. I would just read one chapter, and I just I if I finished it in an hour, then I finished it in an hour. If, if I had to go back over it, I'd go back over it. Um, and that kind of set. Once that kind of started, I was like, yeah, I really want to do this, and this is this is what I want to do. I want to you know I want to coach. I want to work with people. Um, but I got to do something about me, and and I can be my first client. It's kind of like my initial mindset. Um, and that was going to be my next question. So as you're, as you're reading all of this, I mean, some of it obvious, some of it probably not so much, like what were the kind of mental thoughts that were going through your mind about the way you were living your life? Was it, was it very eye-opening and was it hard at times to sit and take a look at the way your life was going versus the way it needed to go to do what was going, soon to be your career and passion? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was for sure, it was eye opening. Um, you know, because anytime, anytime you go from, you know, especially when we got into like the, the body composition, and one of the ways that you can do that is through, um, you know, using a tape and doing waist hip measurements, and then there's a specific ratio. And um, then I, I, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm obese in every category like any way you skin it that's that's how it is and i'm like i can't i'm like who am i to walk into a gym and try to a get a job and you know and and i'm looking at like the videos of the people they have demoing you know specific exercises or movements in you know it's your typical fitness model he's you know probably 150 pounds and he's got a six pack and he looks you know like he's been working out his entire life and i'm like that's really like the image of my, in my head, if someone says I'm a personal trainer, that's the image that I have, not of somebody who looks like they need to lose 75 pounds. Um, so that was, I mean, that was part of it as far as being eye-opening. Um, but then going back to, you know, my background in, you know, with marketing and stuff, the other side of it is I'm thinking like, you know, I'm my own billboard. So if, if I look the part, that's part of a sales position right there. Like if, if, you know, if I show up and I'm, and I'm talking to you and, and I'm in very good shape, there's going to be a little bit more credibility than if I, you know, if I'm 75 pounds overweight and I'm saying, but I can get you there. Your first thought is going to be like, well, what happened to you? Yeah. Why, why, you have, why haven't you there? got there? Yeah, sure. You know, so that, that was a big part of it. Um, so that was, you know, and that was, and I, I knew that, you know, in order for that to happen, I was going to need to um, get myself away from a lot of the people that I grew up with, which I'm still very good friends with them. And so that, and that was what was really hard was because everybody was home, everybody was partying, and our house was literally like three days a week, just a place where people would come over and party. Yeah. And when you, so, okay. One thing just to move down the throughway yeah. and like go to Utica, what that's a drastic shift to say, <laughs> okay, in order for me to do this, I mean, we need to, I need a fresh start and get away and make these changes in my life. You felt like you couldn't do that here. Was that a hard either discussion to have with friends or was it never really explained as such? So, uh, my wife is at the time was an RN. Okay. Um, so she had a lot of critical care experience. We had zero children. We had two dogs and we didn't own a lot of stuff. Okay. So we had, 
It was an easy case to make. It, it was an easy case to make, but it was even easier when it was Beth really wanted to, you know, to do travel nursing okay. to see if it was something that, um, you know, just to see what's out there. Because again, we'd both been in Syracuse forever. Yep. So to be able to, you know, go to Virginia, uh, the best man in our wedding lived in Fairfax, okay. which is where we went. We went to Fairfax. He was down there, so I knew there was going to be at least one person we knew, which would make it a little bit easier. Um, so it just kind of, you know, the discussion never came up with my friends of, hey, you guys are a horrible influence on it me. It will now. Once and, they hear yeah, <laughs> and, and that's fine because, like, now I'm, I'm the horrible influence on them. Um, you know, some of them have started to get into running and, you know, doing, you know, doing more active stuff, which, you know, I'm like, where were you 10 years ago? Right. Yeah. We could have done this together. So, um, but yeah, I mean, just being around them so much, it, it was, it was really difficult. And I have a very addictive personality. So it's hard for me to just be like, okay, well, I'm just not going to go out this weekend. Mm, Cause right. then like, you know, and Beth, you know, Beth and I had our struggles with that where she'd be like, all right, well don't go out. It's my birthday. And I'm like, okay. And then the next day she's like, so what'd you do last night? And I'm like, Oh, we, you went to the bar and she's like, I thought you said you weren't going out. I was like, I wasn't, but then. Yeah, right. Okay. So it was, you know, it, I just, I really needed to get away. Um, she really wanted to do travel nursing. So we went from Virginia back here and then back to Virginia and then down to Florida. And then I think we went back to Virginia and then to Philadelphia. So, um, you know, we just, it was, it was really good for us to be um, away from everybody. So, yeah. Well, I mean, that's quite a move. So then in Virginia, that was the restart. Yep. Okay. And it just started out a little bit of walking, a little bit of running, biking, and you just kept going and going and going, which I feel like is how it goes with people who take on the endurance stuff. I mean, I started running and I was like six miles a week total. And then it's 5Ks and then you do a few 5Ks and it's, you know, 10Ks and then it's half marathon and then it's marathon. And thank God I stopped there. You did not. We'll get to that. But um, so in Virginia, did you get to the point down there where you were getting into the personal training business or was what and what were you doing for real work? Um, so the 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 travel nursing was the first one that Beth did was three months. And um, so it was it was like 12, 12 week assignment. So I think if I remember correctly. Um, that I gave, we kind of, they covered our housing when we were down there. So that first three months, I didn't work. My work was to finish your personal training. Okay. So we finished, um, and I, so I, before we left Virginia, I had, I had to have finished the personal training certification and gotten certified. And that was kind of the deal that Beth and I made. And I, and again, it was one of those things where it was really good to have that front of mind. like. This is, this is my new job. Um, so I was doing that. And then after that first three months, we moved back up here and did a three-month assignment to take us through the holidays. So we were here for like Christmas. So it worked out really well as far as scheduling. And then, um, so, you know, we were back up here and I actually worked at Trillium for the first three months. Okay. I was back. so. That was my first 
exposure as a personal trainer. Um, working at Trillium Wellness, they were on Bridge Street at the time. And um, we did a weight loss challenge. You know, I had a couple of one-on-one clients. And then after three months, Beth was just, she's like, I really don't want to be in the weather. So then we went back to Virginia for nine months. And that's that second bout in Virginia is really where um, I would say my training wheels came off as far as like getting back into being healthy. Um, we literally ate egg beaters and chicken pretty much all day, every day. What, um, what prompted that? Like what was the spark for that? I, well, I didn't, I didn't know a ton about nutrition back then. Um, we lived in an apartment, so we couldn't grill anything. And I knew, um, too many egg yolks can be bad for you. And I knew that egg whites or egg beaters, um, would be more beneficial than like cereal. And so I, I started to experiment more with food that second nine months. Um, and you know, we bought probably like six different packets of chicken of marinades that we would marinate chicken in. So then it was like, we were having chicken six different ways every day of the week. Um, in, and I, cause I, I still was, you know, trying to lose weight. Cause I think when we moved back down that second time, I was about 195 pounds. So I had lost about 35, 40 pounds. Um, and then that was that second time around that I was, you know, when we were down there, the weather's a little bit nicer. You're outside a little bit more. Um, that's when we, we took mountain bikes back down with us. And that's when I started riding a lot more, started working for Gold's Gym Corporate. Um, so just being in, you know, and we had, we ended up, it was just coincidence. Um, you know, I, I just kind of fell into that gym. I, you know, I went in there on a whim one day. It was right down the road from where Beth worked. Um, that fitness manager is, you know, I still consider him one of the top two fitness, you know, fitness people I've ever been around um, from a management standpoint. And, you know, he, you know, him and I hit it off right from the beginning. And um, I, so I started working there and, you know, I experiment with food and, you know, just for myself to try to, you know, broaden our, you know, our menu a little bit other than egg beaters every day for breakfast and, you know, usually like tuna fish on like a pita for lunch and then chicken for dinner and it was like that for probably six months Mm. yeah and you know and and we do veggies and stuff but it was always like a steamed veggie that you could you know you buy the steamables or whatever in the microwave and yeah we, we really didn't know a lot when it came to like food um so that that kind of was always an interest from that point on but um you know, being in, you know, at that gym specifically, we were also out of the 17 gyms that Gold's Gym Corporate had in the DC metro area, we were the best when it came to personal training as far as um, results oriented. So I really felt like at that point that I had to look the part. Like we're dealing with, um, you know, still to this day, one of, one of my, um, one of my clients was the VP of commercial banking for Wachovia, Mm. you know? So like she come in after a day's work and she's just been transferring hundreds of millions of dollars all day. Um, you know, so I was like, I really gotta, I gotta look the part. Like we're in a, we're in a big city and you know, fitness is huge down here. Um, there's a gym or a CrossFit box on every street corner and it's actually where I got into CrossFit. Um, one of the fitness managers down there for golds was just getting into it dragged me over to CrossFit 
Alexandria for my first workout, which was 300, which took me like 28 minutes. <laughs> so it was, it was brutal, but, um, yeah, I mean, and that, that really was that second nine months down there was, was the spark. Cause we did two, three travel assignments down there. Okay. Just back to back. And if we stayed any longer, we had to become residents. So we moved. So it seems like around that time is when the, you started to realize that the diet can play a very big role in everything that you're doing, which seems pretty obvious to people. I mean, it's obvious to me, but I still eat like crap most of the time. Um, and how did, I mean, that takes a lot of discipline to start to do that. So you're starting off with not a lot of knowledge and seems like kind of navigating everything on your own. Where did you start to, to come up with more knowledge and did you transfer what you were doing for yourself over to the people you were personal training at that time? Cause I know diet back then, you know, like let's go back to your egg yolk example. So like egg yolks aren't good for you back in 2007 yeah. and then they're good for you in 2010. And then by 2013, it's like, well, maybe in moderation. And now back in 2018, it, they're back to saying, yeah, egg yolks are, you know, so it's the whole thing changes and right. it's, it's really, and, and what nutrition was to people 10 years ago is very different than how we look at nutrition now. I mean, nutrition now is not only for the healthiness of like your, your weight, like the way you look, but it's also nutrition, a good nutritional plan can help to eliminate injuries and it can help to fix your skin and it can do all these things working from inside out that some people obviously knew about 10 years ago, but it wasn't, it was voodoo back then. Yeah, they were crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> how, how, give that whole rundown in, in how you've kind of gotten to where you are now with your, with your co coaching business. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it was really, um, you know, a lot of our experimentation, um, you know, it, at our house didn't, I didn't translate it over to a lot of clients. Um, after, after being certified, um, we had a program at Gold's Gym back then, um, which is, it's funny because I ended up full circle, um, is it was back then it was called Body Success. Um, and it's, it's the same owner and software of the software that I use with my, with my nutrition business. Mm. And that's, um, you know, exercise and nutrition works. And he had, Lucho is the he, and he had a deal with Gold's Gym Corporate back then. Like if we bring this into your clubs, you know, you can, you can sell, you know, you can get certified, you know, you can get certified as a certified fitness nutrition specialist in, his background was as an RD. Um, so it, it was one of those things that, you know, I, I really started to pay a little bit more attention because I was like, man, you can really modulate what your results are just based on what you're eating. So once, once I realized that, mm -hmm. um, then I was able to start to help my clients a little bit more. And then it was like, okay, well, you, you know, how many servings of vegetables are you eating a day? And how much, you know, what are you doing for this? And what are you doing for that? Um, 
So that's, that's really when it, it started to take a little bit more precedent in how I was approaching training. Um, because now I could look at my clients and I could say, you know, well, tell me, you know, before we start the session, let's sit down for five minutes and let's talk about, you know, what your diet's been this last week. Because, you know, when you came in, you were eating fast food. I, you know, and I had a client, he ate fast food three times a day. So sounds like me. I mean, it was, it was one of those things where I'm like, all right, so let's start with a small change because I knew from my personal experience, like, it's really hard to just like wake up one day and be like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm a hundred percent in it's cold Turkey on all junk. It's cold Turkey on all booze. It's cold Turkey on all processed food. Like I did that in the beginning because I didn't know any differently, Mm. but I don't recommend anybody do that because it's so hard. It's, it's 95% impossible. Um, you know, it, you know, you will have a few outliers, but it's one of those things that it became working with clients. I was like, all right, let's fix breakfast. Let's, let's start your day with like a high quality meal. And then once we have that down after a month, let's go through and then we'll work on what you're eating for lunch. And lastly, at the end of the day, then we'll attack dinner. And that was my approach back then because it was more one, I didn't have all the knowledge in the world, and people would ask me questions about, well, what about gluten-free? And back then, I mean, this is before iPhones came out. So, you know, we still have to, you know, go in the back office and, you know, Google what gluten-free was. And I don't even know. I think Google was around then. I was going to ask that question earlier. <laughs> I think it was around then. Um, you know, so it was just one of those things where we just slow, you know, I slowly would look, and I'm like, all right, so this is what gluten is. This is, you know all right, why would you stop eating it? What are some of the, you know, in, you know, a lot of people back then, a lot more back then versus now, um, you know, we would get people who would do a lot of cleanses and stuff Mm. like that. And, oh, well, I can't work out hard today. I'm in like day three of a cleanse. And I'm like, why are you doing a cleanse? Like, you know, just eat real food. Um, And then that's, that's really what I switched over to. My mindset was, well, just eat real food. Instead of buying, you know, anything processed, just buy, buy fruits and vegetables. And it was around that time that paleo was starting to get a lot more popular. So then, you know, we, we, you know, I was like, oh, well, I pretty much eat this already. I didn't know it had a cool name, though. Um, so then, you know, we were paleo. Um, and then, you know, that was kind of what I promoted to a lot of my clients because I was like, well, it's easy. You know, you just eliminate, you know anything processed in a lot of starches and you eat like a caveman. They only live for 35 years, but <laughs> we've modified that again. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and that was really where it started. Um, and I got certified with um, body success back then as I needed it for continuing ed for my personal training certification. Um, and I literally never used it because I didn't want to buy the software. Um, until, you know, recently this last, you know, last June when, um, when I purchased the software for the nutrition business. So, um, you know, I, I've stayed in touch with Lucho this entire time and, you know, I thought about bringing it into, you know, other clubs and it just was never going to work. So, um, I was like, well, I'm going to hold off. I'm going to hold off. And then 
you know, working with Dan and Ellen, I mean, anybody who knows them, like they just, they want all of their trainers to grow. And that's, you know, when I, when I told them what I was doing, they were both hundred percent on board and they thought it was a great idea. And, you know, it was something that, you know, that the gym was missing. Um, you know, so I was like, this is the time to do it. Yeah. I mean, you hear a lot of people, for some reason, like the whole 30 is like all the rage now. And I've known a bunch of people who are doing that, but they do the 30 days and then it's very quickly back to normal, which I mean, it's great because and my wife wanted us to do the whole 30 and, and I'm like, ah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of a fear for me because I eat, I would say for me personally, I eat like, I'm going to say 50% well. Okay. So, and I'm, but, it, but like you said, for me, it's been making little changes. So sugar is my problem and it's totally an addiction. You read the articles about it and they're like, well, sugar, sugar might be an addictive. Sugar is 100% an addictive substance. Oh, There's no question in my mind whatsoever. And, um, so it's like, for me, it's, it's, it's little by little, but a while ago, like what you just said, Ben Bergeron did a podcast and I mean, and he's, he repeats this all the time, but he said, um, just eat real food. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. So, and I look back at when my wife, um, when my wife and I met, like she came into my house the first time and it's Frosted Flakes, it's Lucky Charms, it's boxes. And I was the only one living there, boxes of BJ's individual Dorito bags and packaged cookies and all this stuff. And her head almost exploded. And it's been little by little of like getting rid of all of that stuff. And there's still some of it, but it's like, I try to take the healthier options of it, but getting rid of it, not only for my health, but also because it never occurred to me in a million years that all of those packages that I'm then throwing out are ending up in a, in a landfill somewhere. So it obviously makes perfect sense to go and buy a tub of lettuce and buy a crate of raspberries and grapes and bananas. And, and then little by little I can, and I love fruit, but I can start to substitute in where my shortfall is with the sugar and all that kind of stuff. And with other things. Now, mind you, overdosing on fruit probably isn't the best thing either, but it's better than sitting down and eating bags of Skittles or, or packages of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I, I, would, I would agree 100%. And um, like, to that point, I was taking a graduate nutrition class, and it was like, it was, it was like graduate nutrition for like sport or something. In the first day, we have this professor that comes in and, you know, she, you know, you can, you can just, as an endurance athlete, you can look at someone else in a room and be like, you're an endurance athlete. You're not like, you, mm. you, you know, there's usually a clear defining line, um, especially when you get up into, um, you know, more of an elitist, you know, category. And she goes, how many of you have ever grown a garden? And I was like, we've tried a few different times and every year, you know, we buy our vegetables. So it never works out because both my wife and I came back to life. We have a plant and it seems to die every month and then miraculously it comes back to <laughs> yeah. life. I mean, we killed aloe vera. Well, that's hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. really yeah. hard to do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and we, every year we try and she goes, if you've, if you've ever grown a garden and you just hold a tomato in your hand and you feel the energy and she goes, that's like you created this. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in there as 
I'm a very like nuts and bolts kind of guy. Very like clean cut, like straightforward, like just. And I'm like, this chick has lost her mind. Mm-hmm. She's holding a piece of, you know, she's holding a vegetable and she's saying that you can feel the energy coming from it. And I'm like, she's crazy. And then she goes, and that first bite is so sweet. And I'm like, now she's really crazy mm-hmm. because tomatoes aren't overly sweet. And, you know, so one of the things I quickly learned was with regular sugar being that it's, I, I mean, I consider it very addictive. Um, and I was, I think I was telling my wife last week or a couple weeks ago that I was like, I, you know, I would rather see cannabis legalized in sugar made illegal mm. or put as like a schedule one because it has such addictive properties and the side effects associated with sugar are like, there's never a good outcome. Right. Yeah. Like heart disease is not an okay outcome because you've consumed too much added sugar. You know, world health organization says that um, no more than 10% of your sugar or of your diet could be from added sugar. Yeah, they really feel that it should be 5%, but they know that nobody will follow that. And it's yeah. like, so if you really know that it's supposed to be 5%, but you're making it 10% to appease people who are addicted to it, that tells you that it's really bad. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, so back to that tomato. Um, so we, you know, we started, we actually have been successful here at our house um, with gardens for the most part. And... I know exactly what she's talking about now that we're not like so addicted to like the processed food because fructose in, you know, natural sugars from plants and vegetables taste totally different than, you know, corn syrups in, you know, the, uh, you know, any of the added sugars or even some of like the sweeteners. Um, but it, it's, it's so different to look from where I sit now with my educational background to where I was like five years ago, even or even three years ago, um, you know, because back then I, I thought sugar was addicting, but I, you know, I was like, yeah, but you know, it's okay. Like you can have, you know, this instead and you know, it'll be fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is anytime that you can put whole food in your diet versus um, anything that's processed is, I mean, there's just, cause it's not even just the sugar. It's, it's everything else that kind of falls into it that, goes into the making of anytime you have to process something. Well, there's so many chemicals. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things that we don't, we don't know. We don't know the long-term effect of what they can do or what they are slowly doing. And you're just ingesting a little bit over, you know, over the, you know, a long period of time. Yeah. And I think your point, like, so last summer and you and I have talked about this, I built my first garden bed and all we ended up yielding from it was a couple of cucumbers and tomatoes. Um, but I, but it was better than nothing. And you're right. Having those tomatoes, just the taste is so much better. It's like when we travel, you know, when we're, when we were in Costa Rica on our yoga retreat, like they literally probably 70% of the food we ate came from the farm right across the street that they own. And so it was like this special kind of spinach and mangoes and papayas and all sorts of things. And it just tastes so much better. And there was zero carbon effect on it, except for maybe, I don't know, the seed. I don't even know that part, but very little carbon effect because they literally walked over, cut it, brought it over and made it. Yeah. And it's easy. It's not as hard as I think a lot of people think. And having, as I've started to make small changes in my diet, 
like adding in, I'm trying to eat four salads, like legit salads, not a side salad, but like a salad with like some olive oil and balsamic as the dressing, not doing even what they quote unquote call, you know, the healthy organic dressings, because my wife has pointed out those still have a lot of chemicals in them, but just some olive oil and some balsamic and just trying to just eat more lettuce and just some chicken breasts, like you say, or, or uh, chicken thighs are my thing more than the breast. But trying to work that stuff into my diet, because it truly does just make you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my I, I really, I really, like, I'm going to say ate the nutrition bug when I worked with a trainer, Ty, down in Philadelphia. Him and I were working for Philly Sports Club together. And... This was like right towards the end of my life in Philly. And so it was like early 2010. And he challenged me because he was like, he was turning 40, but looked like he was 30 and had the physique, like he could walk on stage tomorrow. And most of the guys on stage would be like, man, I'm jealous of that guy's body. Like, I mean, he just, he, he was like your trainer's trainer. Like mm-hmm. he just, he walked the walk, he talked the talk. But he didn't eat a single preservative. He made all of his own food. I mean, we had a Whole Foods attached to the gym. Mm. Like, it was in the same building or whatever. So it was super easy to get quality food. And, you know, he kind of, you know, he knew that I was really big into cycling. And he goes, well, you know, what's your diet like? And I said, well, you know, I still am always fine-tuning little things here and there. And he said, well, go preservative-free for a month and tell me what you think. And I'm like, what do you mean preservative-free? He goes, don't eat a single food that has a preservative in it. And I'm like, that just sounds insane. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm like looking in my bag. I'm like, all right, what do I have? That, all right, I need a new bag. Like, I can't eat my lunch now. I'm like, I have to go to Whole Foods and spend $80 to eat lunch. So I was like, all right. And I, I was about 100 and, 170 pounds. And after that month, I was like 165. And, and I was, again, I was already in, I mean, my body fat would fluctuate between, you know, 10 and 12%. And I was a competitive cyclist at that point. And I'm sitting there like, I just lost like 10 pounds by just eliminating preservatives. How do you even go about doing that? Is it just eating only real food? I, I mean, I can't even I like... Mean, everything was fresh. Like everything, yeah. everything was fresh. So if we went and we bought fish, it was, you know, it was fresh fish. We bought, you know... We'd buy, you know, fish, chicken, you know, you'd buy your lean meat. And then it was a lot of veggies. So we basically eliminated, you know, you could buy, you could buy oats, um, you know, because, you know, and you're just reading, um, reading nutrition labels and everything that we were eating just, you know, all of a sudden you're just eating very fresh certified organic food. And that's, you know, cause if it's certified organic, then it's legit. If it says that it's natural or free range, it's more of a marketing ploy than anything. But, you know, we just, we cleaned up, I, or I should say, I cleaned up my diet so much during, for that 30 days. And then all of a sudden I'm just sitting there, like we were doing a really hard workout. And I just remember like starting to sweat in literally no taste in my sweat. Like it was just water. And it was like one of those sweats, like when you get out of the shower on like a hot day and you start sweating again, mm. that's what it felt like. And I was like, man, every pore is like open. Mm. I'm like, I am like dripping sweat, but I feel so clean. 
And I was like, I've never felt like this before. Mm. And I mean, and I've, I've, you know, and I've, I've, I've had really good workouts. And then I started noticing workout after workout was like that. And so I, I did that for a while and my weight ended up fluctuating at like 162, 163 pounds. So I was down, you know, 10, 10, 15 pounds. And it was really easy to do living down there because we could just, I could run across the street to, or run yeah. next door to Whole Foods and get something in, you know, and then I'd ride my bike home and make it. Um, when we moved back up here, that became a little bit more of a challenge. And my wife and I started living together again because she was living at her clinical site in New Jersey when we mm-hmm. lived there. So once we started living together again, she's, she's kind of got that sweet tooth to the point where it's like, she'll, you know, she'll have a bad, you know, like a stressful day at work. And I come home and I'm like, Oh, are you, are you burning a brownie candle? <laughs> She's like, Oh no, I made brownies. And I'm like, damn it. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I guess we're going to have brownies. <laughs> yeah. But so I, I always say to myself, you know, I, I say this a few too many times a day, but it's always nice to work those things into. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, you know, my, my perspective has changed drastically from, you know, no preservatives. Um, because again, that was, that was great when it was her and I, and there was no kids and, mm-hmm. You know, um, and it was really just me because she was only there like one or two days a week. Um, you know, so I, I would just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very good about, I'm one of those people like I can eat the same thing every day if I know I'm going to get a specific result from that. Um, she makes it really hard to be able to do that. So, you know, and since then, um, we've, we've both grown in the kitchen. Um, and then I, I love, now I, 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 you know, it's funny because now I absolutely love to cook. I love to experiment um, and make different things. Um, so, you know, we don't, we aren't, we are far from preservative free now. Um, but all of our, all of our decisions are definitely still, you know, they're always going to be whole food based, and we try to do the same thing with the boys. You know, Parker Alita and half an avocado for dinner. <laughs> so, where did what prompted? The forming of your business, Ultimate um, Health and Performance. So Ultimate Health and Performance kind of came about, I always knew that once I, once I went back to get my master's in one of the first classes I was taking was talking, you know, they were talking about how to, you know, integrate with, you know, what kind of practice do you want to have? Do you, you know, do you want to do this as part of a chiropractic business? Do you want to have a standalone nutrition coaching business or counsel, um, counseling business? And, and I always knew part of me has always wanted to be my own boss. Mm-hmm. Um, in talking to some of the more influential and what I feel are successful gym owners in the area, um, in the past, I've, you know, I've, I've kind of seen how they've done things, what I liked about how they, you know, how they've run their businesses with, you know, maybe what I didn't like in having worked you know, as a personal training director, how that can affect, you know, from, you know, from the employee side. So I always knew that I wanted to do, um, to have my own business. And I was never sure as to how, how big or how, you know, how well, you know, how fast I wanted it to be. But I want to always have my door open to be able to help people because there's so many people out there that have gone through or are going through, or one day will go through, where I was. And it's really hard 
for a personal trainer or someone from the fitness world who has never been overweight or who has never experienced um, being overweight and out of shape? Because everybody that you meet says, oh, yeah, you know, I used to be an athlete and, you know, I just let myself go and I just don't know where to start. And a lot of times it's like, well, I'll start in the gym and then they go too hard, too fast, they get hurt, mm-hmm. and then they're right back to where they were. That's what we call New Year's resolutions. So my philosophy was, well, what if, what if we can start with your food and start to work on those changes and make some of those changes? And then when you start to work on your, you know, we can kind of point you in the direction of, of physical activity. Like I'm not from, ultimate health and performance, I am in no way looking to build my personal training database. Um, what I have at CrossFit Syracuse or the clients that I have there, my focus is solely on growing as a nutritionist and helping as many people as I can with that um, that come from every walk of life, whether they're a current athlete and they want to go from a 14-hour Ironman to a 10-hour Ironman, or they're someone who wants to run their first marathon and they're like i don't know what to eat or they just you know they were diagnosed with you know any type of autoimmune disease and they want help like it's it's more of a from my standpoint i look at it as like this is my opportunity to finally give back to all of the people who i've had so many people along the way that have kind of like been like the pebbles that have built me up to what i am now that now I, got, now I get to be that pebble for somebody else. You know, if I can be one, if I can help in one little way and, you know, just teach you one thing about food that you didn't know that you can implement into your life and then you can change, then you're more likely to be successful. And then I win. Because mm-hmm. inside of me, then I'm like, I did, I helped you and now I get to see the result of that in you posting pictures or you know, you running a race. I mean, you've done races. There's no better feeling than when you cross that finish line the first time. Yeah. You know, so at the end of the day, that's really what sparked it for me was that I want, you know, I always want to see people get better and see the better part of somebody because everybody that's out there that has, you know, I mean, we all have demons and we all have issues and we all have things that sideline us from truly achieving what we want for goals but if i can you know address from a nutritional standpoint and say okay well let's let's work on this let's correct this have you tried you know this is what i want you to try and this is why then all of a sudden and we can find a way to incorporate it into what most people will consider an already hectic life then all of a sudden we start to see some results and we start to see some um you know, progress being made. And then once you start to see that, people, you know, they start to feel a little bit better about themselves and it, you know, it's like a stacking effect. Yeah, it's hard um, because a lot of people want to see the change in like two weeks. They begin to see it. And that's not how it happens, you know. Um, It's like becoming good at anything, whether it be baseball or CrossFit or writing it doesn't matter it's one of the to become good at anything takes so much time but i think with people's eating you feel like you give up so much which i don't think you need to anymore but in people's minds you feel like you give up so much good 
tasting stuff and replace it with stuff that's like, eh, at best. And to, that's a big sacrifice for people for some reason. Their food is so, food and money, I feel like, are the two biggest sacrifices people make. And to try to make somebody realize that, like, yeah. Making little changes, a few little changes a day or a week even, if you give it time over the course of months, years, your lifetime, can do so much for your body overall. And yeah. not just, like we said, I mean, like your physical abilities, your mental abilities, the, just your, your appearance, if that's what you're striving for. But it's hard, you know. It's hard. It's like me. Like I've, I'm like, okay, so I walk into the office next to me and I say, okay, so today I'm, I'm going to eat only four mini Milky Ways instead of eight or ten mini Milky Ways. But like for me, that's my baby step into making those changes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the, one of the, going back, to, um, you mentioned Ben Bergeron and he, he actually, uh, on one of his podcasts, he talked about New Year's resolutions, and he talked about um, not making them, not making them, and and I and I you know can't agree more, and you know, but what he what he did say to do was he said make take a calendar and every you know and set yourself up for a goal that is is relatively easy for you to you know complete. Um, so say that that goal is that you're only going to have four Milky Ways instead of eight, and every day that you do that you know, you put a red X on it. You give yourself one extra Milky Way for achieving your goal. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> but after a, after a period of time, now you've built up all these red right. Xs. Yeah. So then when you want to have that cheat, if that's what you want to call it, um, which I'm not a big fan on cheat meals, good food and bad food. Yeah. All food is food. And there's better food than, you know, there's, there's better choices and not better choices. But... Anytime you put those stigmas on things, now if I'm eating a bad food, if I do something bad, I should be punished in essence. Mm. So now if I do that with food, if I say, oh, I ate a bad food, well, what is the ramification because I ate a bad food? Like it, it should be like, all right, so I probably shouldn't have had, you know, Ben and Jerry's ice cream, but I did in, you know, let's move on. Yeah. Instead of, you know, getting hung up on that or like a cheat meal, you know, because if it's a cheat, like if I cheat on a test, then I don't know. I personally think that if you cheat on anything or, um, you know, that's that's a horrible act. Yeah. Yeah. In versus if you think of it as like, you know, I just I was I was, you know, lax on my diet for a day or my, you know, what what I consider my diet, you know, what my meal plan told me to have. It said that I should have, you know you know, fish in, you know, fish in some roasted vegetables. Mm -hmm. And, and I felt like having a burger. Why well, didn't, you didn't cheat. You just had decided to have a burger. So as long as you keep that front of mind and say, so tomorrow I have to, you know, really focus on my nutrition to make sure that I'm in line, you know, so it's a, it's a slightly different way of doing the same thing. But anytime you put those stigmas on them, I feel that you're just setting yourself up to allow yourself to let yourself down. Um, you know, but going back to Ben Bergeron in what he had said during that podcast was, you know, if you give yourself, you know, you build up enough of those red X's, then over time, 
when you want to have that sixth, seventh, and eighth one, or fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth one, but you see that you've got like 28 straight days that you haven't done it, you're going to be more likely to not do that mm-hmm. because you don't want to let yourself down because you're like, really is, you know, now, because then tomorrow I have to start all over again. And I really don't want to do that because I've done good to this point. And that's one of the small things that I've kind of taken. Um, and I, you know, and I talk to a lot of clients about is, you know, everybody comes in and they're like, if we have, you know, if I have someone that needs to lose, say, 50 pounds, well, I would like to lose 50 pounds. And you have one of two people, someone who says that they're okay losing 50 pounds over the next four years, or someone who wants to lose 50 pounds two weeks ago, because they have to go on vacation right. next yep. week. And, and it's more about like turning that around and saying like, okay, so I understand that you want to lose 50 pounds, but let's work on just making these small changes and see what we can do to, you know, clean up your diet And the weight will take care of itself. You know, in, in, you know, once we put it into a context, into a frame of mind of, you know, this is what we want you to lose and this is why, and this is what's healthy and this is how much per week is not healthy in, you know, So, you know, it just becomes one of those things that once we can change the mindset, I mean, and that's the hardest thing is, you know, changing someone's mindset to say like, okay, well, you know, I don't want you to eat fast food as often. So if you eat fast food five times a week, let's do it four times. Yeah. Um, Manageable. Yeah. Quantifiable. Right. So now we have specific measurable um, goals that we can look at in people were a little bit more successful when, you know, at the end of the week and they look back and they say, Hey, I only ate out twice this week. Yeah. Then they're going to feel a little bit better about themselves that they, they achieved that little goal, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things ends up being this larger goal. Um, and that's really what, you know, what I aim to do and then educating them through, you know, why I want you to eat these types of foods and what health benefits this type of food can have in reducing inflammation and and helping reduce your shoulder pain, any of that stuff. Because, you know, people come in and, you know, oh, my, my arm, you know, my arm hurts or, you know, it's like, all right, well, let's talk a little bit about your diet. And it's, you know, processed food, it's refined this, it's, you know, and it's like, all right, well, if we can reduce some of that stuff, we can reduce overall inflammation, we can reduce inflammation, your joints aren't going to hurt as much, you know, and all of a sudden after three months, they're like, wow, Everything feels better. Well, people have no idea the effect that food can have on that stuff. They're right. like, oh, just give me some pills and I'm better in the morning. You know, that's right. one thing that my wife has really opened after her going through Crohn's and, you know, doing all the yoga and all the stuff that she does. It's like, you know, over the course of our being together, it, it, that's really just drastically opened my eyes. And she continues with the way she can find some of this knowledge of the true effect that like not only what types of food we're putting in our body, but also like how it's been treated before it got to us, where it came from. I mean, it's not like all spinach is not created equal. Right. And it's just mine. It really is. And people have no idea. Yeah. Like one of the things, like someone asked me last week, um, they said, well, what is your viewpoint on, on, you know, people with, do you feel that more people are gluten um, intolerant than, you know, like, than what's out there. And I'm like, no, I think most people are gluten tolerant. 
I don't believe anybody is Roundup tolerant. Right. Oh, and that's, oh, when I and, learned that pesticides are sprayed on our wheat, I'm like, oh, my God. And, and I'm like, so you think about, like, how much we go back to, you know, pre-your wife time frame, and you have Doritos, you know, you have all of this food that has, you know, wheat in it, and it's like, well, of course, you, you know. On top of all the sugar. On top of all the sugar. <laughs> Of course, your stomach is in knots. Like you've probably eaten a teaspoon of Roundup yeah. in the course of a year and because never, of how much is sprayed, and, right. and know, that doesn't make it onto the ingredients list, right? Because <laughs> you know that was something that was sprayed. You know, like in this field next door to us, they spray that field and then they plant it. I don't know six weeks later, but I'm like, well, do you really think that that left the water table in right. six weeks? No. No, still so, in the soil. You know, yeah. and, it, and that's one of the things that I feel. I would say that's more in like the last year and a half that that has really started to come to light a little bit more where people are like, oh, that actually makes a lot more sense. I'm allergic to Roundup. Who would have thought? Yeah. You know, versus, well, yeah. So that's why when I stopped eating gluten. Right. I didn't have any side effects. Yeah. I mean, I'm taking this gardening course now. Um, mostly focused on like growing lettuce mm-hmm. and building your boxes, and which I've already done, but I just found this course and it sounded really interesting. But one thing that she pointed out that never occurred to me was like when you're sourcing your materials to build your gardening boxes is to make sure that they have been treated, that they are natural, that they've not been cured, that all these things. And I'm like, oh, God, it's not rocket science, Ty, you know? And the other ones were, but I, it was just, I don't know. We, we Just things, even when you're involved in this stuff, you sometimes forget to think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we switched. We don't drink anything but organic coffee. Yeah. For kind of the same reasons is, I'm like, man, like, because I drink a lot of coffee. I've actually gotten a lot better with it. But I still drink, I still drink a good amount of coffee. Same thing with tea. We only buy organic tea because, you know, if it's, if you're sitting there letting it steep or, you know, letting it, you know, do like a cold brew and it's just sitting there and it's infusing right anything that's anything outside that's in that is now going into what you're about to drink right you know so that's been you know from that's been one of the really big things that i've picked up on in in the last couple years when you know when people ask me now like oh should i buy organic and i'm like you you should i'm 100 percent behind that because you know you know that if it's made it to where it gets the organic certification, then it is it is legit, it is clean, it is healthy. You know, obviously it's like you know, with gluten free, you can buy gluten free Oreos. That doesn't make them healthy. <laughs> but shoot. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> or gluten free milky ways. <laughs> um, but you know, it does you know that anything that's in there is certified organic and like the non GMO and all that stuff. So there is you know, nutrition is definitely a science in, and it's funny because people will always say like, they're like, oh, well, you know, it's nutrition. It's easy. And I'm like, it, it is. And it's not like, it can be super easy for some people, but then because there's so much, it's very overwhelming. It's there's so much information and there's so much misinformation. Yeah. Going back to the egg yolk. Um, I mean, I don't know where we currently stand on research with the egg yolk. Well, that was going to be my final question, too, you know, so I'm glad we're getting to that now. I, I, always, I always tell people, I'm like, I, my personal feeling based on a lot of the stuff that I've read is it's all, a lot of it comes down to your, suscept, your susceptibility to 
how your cholesterol responds when you mm. have egg yolks. Like, I don't think anybody should be consuming, you know, three, four, five egg yolks a day. Um, because when we look at like the profile of an egg and we have about seven grams of protein and about five grams of fat, it's considered like a medium fat food. Um, so every egg yolk, like, and that's the egg yolk alone is five grams of fat. So if we eliminate, you know, if you're having three of those a day, that's 15 grams of fat mm -hmm. that you're having at one serving. Um, that would be the equivalent of three teaspoons of coconut oil, which seems like, you know, you'd never, you know, I don't, I mean, I personally wouldn't drink three teaspoons of coconut oil. But a much more beneficial alternative for you as far as right. fat goes. So, and that's what I tell my clients is I would rather see you cook, you know, if you have to have the yolk, um, you know, do an egg and then throw some, you know, do, do one egg and then two egg whites if you're having three that's eggs. That's what I do. And then, <laughs> okay. you know, but use coconut oil, um, you know, in the pan. So Instead of grass-fed butter? Um. Again, it's that's that's kind of a trade off. The grass fed butter is going to be a little bit like a, a sweeter, like a yeah. a sweeter, smoother yeah. taste. Um, but the coconut oil, you're going to get the medium chain triglycerides. Um, you know, okay. and, I'll try it. And I I think it tastes good, but again, you have to have you know I like the taste of coconut. Yeah. So you know, and it, that's why I say like either grass fed or ghee butter. Um, you know, again with that, you're going to use about a teaspoon. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, and then that still gives you that feeling that you're eating an egg. Um, but now you're eating it, you know, you're getting, you know, 21 grams of protein mm. with 5 grams of fat. So those, that ratio seems, you know, or, you know, 5 to 10 grams of fat. So it's a little bit better of a balance. Um, and then it doesn't necessarily raise your saturated yeah. fats as high. So. so really what we're getting to at the end here is we just need to contact Ed. And yeah. have him just plug it all into his computer and tell us what we need to eat. What are get, just as we close? What are some of the like maybe the top two or three things you could share with people? Is like as far as just measurable ways that they could start to make some changes if they're searching to do that. So I am a very, very, very uh, big supporter of creating a menu for at least a week we have on our refrigerator we have a month planned out um and the reason we do that is because my wife works uh about 40 minutes away now and this way like when we go grocery shopping anything that we can buy that we can put in the freezer or any of our meats we can kind of have a bigger game plan but i say that you know your your grocery trip should start after you have a menu because once you have a menu, now you know what you need for food. Mm -hmm. Then you can go grocery shopping versus going grocery shopping, buying what looks good, and then mm -hmm. going home and figuring out what you can make with it. Right. So it's a, I think it's a little bit better overall use of time, especially when everybody is a little bit time crunched. Um, and, you know, so, so you start with a menu for the week, and then you, then you follow it up with meal prep. And meal prep doesn't mean that you have to have the same thing every day. It just means that, you know, when you come home, you might cut up um, the onion and put it in a resealable container so that when you're ready to cook whatever meal you're going to use the onion with, it's right there ready to go. Okay. So when you come home at five o'clock at night and your kids are screaming or, you know, you're just busy and, and you know, you're running around like crazy, you're not sitting there dicing up an onion mm. and then dicing up peppers. You know, you're prepped and ready to go. 
in, I always joke around, I'm like, so you'll feel like Rachel Ray, you know, because you just, you know, you turn around and you have a cup of this and you just <laughs> dump that on and you dump that on and it's like, oh, all that stuff's done. Um, so, you know, the, making the menu, doing the meal prep, and then really, you know, looking at, looking at your overall plan. So if, and if you don't have a plan, I mean, again, feel free to contact, um, contact me. I'm always more than happy to sit down with anybody. But look at your plan and just realistically say, okay, if I can lose, you know, one to two pounds a week in a healthy way, what kind of change is that? And typically, if it's if you leave two extra bites on your plate at each meal, that's going to be pretty close. Hmm. So, I mean, it's something as simple as just when you eat your regular meal, if you just leave one to two bites over the course of a week, over the course of three, you know, three major mm-hmm. meals a day, um, you're going to end up being down about a pound, pound and a half. And it's something that can be that simple. And of course, obviously the third one being eat real food. Yeah. Okay. As much, as much real food as possible. Yeah. Yep. Well, so where can people find you? All right. So, um, people can find me. Facebook is, um, the company one is, um, ultimate health and performance is all one word. Um, my personal one is, I think it's just my name. Probably on Facebook. Yeah. In by all means, you can always find me there. Yep. It's just my name. Um, so it's Ed Teneyck, T-E-N-E-Y-C-K. Um, they can find me at CrossFit Syracuse. I'm a trainer there. Um, you know, I'm a trainer and coach at CrossFit Syracuse. Instagram, Ultimate Health and Performance. Is, again, our website is uh, ultimate-health.net. And we're in the process of opening a location um, pretty much across the street from Wegmans. Oh, wow. Nice. Good for yeah. you. Oh, cool. So we'll be at 6834 East Genesee Street. We'll have to keep everybody posted on that. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Ed, so much. So much information. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Today's episode was produced by me, Tyler Cagwin. The background music was provided by Soul Rising. Find him on iTunes, Spotify, or basically anywhere you listen to music. www.soulrising.com and at Soul Rising on Instagram. Make sure to visit our website, www.omtravelers.com, and look in the podcast section for today's show notes and links to the places and things discussed in the episode, www.omtravelers.com. Namaste.